0: Send it. Salutations, Sat Stackers and Ken. You're listening to a boy named Sue that is Mr. Sue to you, aka Phil Gibson. Welcome back to another episode. Newly now being aired on the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast Network and Speak of the Devil. My guest slash, I guess, quasi co-host today is going to be Luke of the Fix the Money podcast. And and of course, the Bitcoin Made Simple Network, which I'm very grateful and very stoked to be a part of and contribute and just add more content and value to that and just get the, the truth out of the shit that's actually happening that not a lot of people are aware of. So we're going to talk about a lot of that today. Uh, firstly, though, I have a question. Luke, how do I pronounce your last name again? Is it Mikik Misik?
1: Ow. Whatever's easiest, mate. I, I'm not too fussy. It's uh I think the connect the correct pronunciation is Mikich. So you gotta pretend like there's a little C-H? silent H on the end of it. Yeah. Is that like an Aboriginus thing? <laughs> it's a Yugoslavian thing. That's uh that's okay. that's my backgrounds. So that's dope. So you, you got a little Davos blood in you then hey that's it man we know what communism looks <laughs> <is> like <laughs> yeah no <laughs> yeah, shit out of australia for sure that's yeah well we've got it from all angles in the in the heritage and uh in australia so uh but yeah. thanks for having me dude i'm really looking forward to this yeah dude i i think i think we picked
0: some very solid topics to, to go through before that let's let's do a little house cleaning and get the shit out of the way so we do have a sponsor and why don't you tell us a little bit about the sponsor? Not to put you on the spot, but it's just easier for me to not to
1: do this in post. So let's do it. I'll do the ad read then. Uh, so, yeah. uh, one sponsor for today's show is the Bitbox 02 hardware wallet. Um, I think if you've got your bitcoins on the exchange, you're really doing something wrong. Uh, today's not the day to be having coins on exchanges because that's not your bitcoin. So, I would take your bitcoin off the exchanges and I'd put it into. hardware wallet and I think the Bitbox O2 is the quickest and the easiest hardware wallet I've ever used I've used all of them so I've used like a cold card ledger trezor I've set up my own multi sig setup in specter and honestly the Bitbox O2 is the easiest uh, hardware wallet I've ever used if the listeners want to go and get five percent off a Bitbox O2 you can use the promo code bitcoin made simple
0: awesome beautiful
1: yep that was off the I'm top the of my worst. Head, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry no, about that. that, that was, I didn't know I great. was going to do that. On all that.
0: caps. All caps. No spaces. To that promo code, I might add.
1: All caps. No spaces. Bitbox two, go get one.
0: Hell yeah. So I'm I'm like the worst Bitcoiner on that front. I will say, I I have yet to get a Bitbox. I will someday, and I'll someday learn how to multisig because I basically just was like cold card. I heard it works, and then I just said to forget it. <laughs> so get a pass um, passphrase yeah. you, you yeah. don't need a multi-sig setup just do pass passphrase i mean i just memorize my seed it's not that hard it's a good start
1: god i <laughs> anyway. hope you have that written down somewhere. If the if there's any listeners listening in from home do not memorize your seed have it stamped into some metal i mean memorize your... it
0: but write it down and put it put it to a song preferably one that you wrote because that'll be
1: easier well, Phil, for anyone listening in, Phil is the uh, author of a song, and the Fair. That's actually how I first come across you. So you have a little bit more uh, musical talent than people like myself. So I, I may struggle to memorize a 24-word seed phrase. But if you can memorize it in a song, I imagine that's a really kind of, that's a good way for you to make yourself remember it.
0: Yeah, but get cold storage. Like, don't be an idiot. Get cold storage. Bitbox, go too. Go get one. Anyway, get one. let's cut the shit and uh, get get down to business here. So so Elon Musk is a thing, as always, but it's even more crucial of a thing. And as I, I put a tweet out saying that Elon is revealing who the true psychopaths are. Because there was that lovely, lovely New York Post article. I think it was New York Post, wasn't it? I didn't read it. I just laughed at it. But there was, let's call it a New York Post article. And it basically it was the latest Bitcoin or uh, FUD towards Bitcoiners and basically calling us psychopaths because we like <laughs> money and, and prosperity and uh, just a sound economy and shit. And ESG wasn't good enough. And so some fucktard had to come up with something new. So now if you go to my Twitter at Mr. Sue, M R P S E U, uh, then you will see it will say Phil Gibson dash proud psychopath. But in, in, in uh, other news, of course, Elon is revealing how basically the elites that control the media, the corporations, and if you read, which I haven't read, but if you go through uh, the Great Reset by Klaus Schwab, basically predicting that uh, corporations will replace the nation state. And it just takes one crazy South African billionaire to just expose these elites, call them the Atlanticists, call them Davos, the deep state, whatever. But it really takes someone with a bunch of money, the richest man in the world, to try to use that money, that wealth for for good. And it's just very telling how when you try to buy out Twitter, it really brings the lizards out and you see them panic kind of like how they have with uh, the, the coof and all the authoritarian regulations. It really brings out their true colors and seeing it, it really goes to show how money is in everything. And that might be a little bit blasphemous because we're Bitcoiners. And we talk about that stuff, how fixed money fixed world, like rightly so, but these people are just psychotic. I mean, psychopath freakazoids who Despite how much money that Elon Musk will throw at them, in this case, $43 billion. uh, Despite that offer, they don't care because they're too good to be bought out by the richest men in the world because they want to maintain their power and control over individuals and self-sovereignty. So I just want to hit a few bullet points here. If anyone hasn't been following this, which in this space, I'd be shocked if that's the case, but I was a little bit late to the party. So uh, shout out ANC Report and their coverage on this. Uh, that's kind of where I'm getting this info, but I was also on PBS Live and they did that. Um, we, we, we just talked about it a little bit. There was an expert in the audience, uh, PBS Live, by the way, is Public Broadcasting Services, which is streamed live from the mecca of Bitcoin, which is Austin, Texas. Uh, fight me on that to the grave. Uh, that is the truth. But regardless, so basically, Elon tried to buy a large stake in, in Twitter. He had 9% of the shares at one point, and he was on the board, and he wanted to propose these ideas of just free speech. Let's have an edit button. Twitter's the town square. And he actually says some pretty base things on a tech talk ted talk i don't think it was an actual ted talk i believe it was like a ted interview thing i didn't watch it i just listened to some audio clips but let's just kind of like go through what's happened so he attempted to buy twitter at 18 percent uh he the offer was 18 percent higher of what the twitter stock was actually worth and um uh, so when he made that offer uh, publicly, uh, the price was, uh, of course, more more than what it was worth. So that that basically, he offered to buy Twitter at $54.20. 420 Wednesday. Uh, he offered to buy uh, each share uh, value at fifty four dollars and twenty cents, which is a shit ton more than the current price. When he made that offer, um, it, it was when when he announced it, it. Uh, he announced the, the offering was actually 38% above asking price. And um, when he revealed his 9% uh, current uh, shares, I think it rose like another 10%, whatever. A billionaire moving the price to Twitter, uh, what's new? Anyone could expect that. So, and of course, he then offered outright uh, to buy them out for $43 billion. And again, he's advocating for free speech. Uh, twitter's the the, the town square and he said some base things on that ted conversation that it's 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 funny how um he he tries to be very uh use the like the vernacular of the people but he also as he does it he sounds very proper and he's just like it's it's quite damn annoying when somebody says something online that you disagree with but we need that because otherwise there's no free speech but it was just really funny how like it came off
1: his tongue but regardless you know uh, he knows what's going to resonate with the plebs i think he, he yeah, like he, he's a giga brain he knows how to dumb down his message and get it across i think
0: yeah he he really does but it's kind of like you know how you hate stupid smart people like smart people that are so smart they mm. miss the most obvious things that the layman just picks up easily it's it drives me fucking nuts
1: but, you mean like, like the, he, the block size fill? Like how uh, Elon thinks we can just uh, raise the, increase the well, block there's size that <laughs> He doesn't get no, that. No,
0: that... no solid point. Like there's that. And then it's like, well, is he trolling for our attention and like moving the mm. price of his company? Like, I don't really know how to put, where to put my finger on him. But like after this, that I'll share, I'll, I just have like a lot more respect for him and I take him more seriously. But Anyway, so, you know, the censorship on Twitter is bad enough because what what were they doing? They're blocking their shadow banning a block. They, mm-hmm. the, they ban the president and they just ban truth or people trying to uh project what they believe to be is the truth. And they, they blog videos from BitChute. Uh, and it doesn't matter what it is. Like, it could be a cat. I didn't video. know that. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you straight up cannot share bitch you links. Shit. A couple weeks ago, when there were, was um, a news story that Saudi Arabia was going to have talks with Iran uh, mm. about oil, I tried to share what it was like from South Front or something, and that entire link was blocked. I could not post it publicly, and I could not share it with somebody in Twitter DM either. So shit's fucked. When it comes to Twitter
1: that's, censorship, it's madness. Yeah, I, I know Facebook, you can't, um, in Facebook, they, they won't let you share things in DMs, but I've never come across that in Twitter. They, they, you can't send anything in a DM. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Maybe it's just like what South front is. I didn't look too into it. I think it's like an alternative of like Al Jazeera or maybe it's on like, uh, I don't know because other other sources of that same story was okay to like share, but this in particular was like it doesn't matter where it is, the fact that they did that is what's fucked up. But anyway, so I'm like, this is just proving that they care about power over money. And so basically, Elon trying to buy them outright, uh, made them lose their shit completely. And uh he didn't want to be on the board. Uh, again, this is when he was on the board and owned 9% of the shares at that time because he didn't want to follow the terms and conditions. Because there are a, a couple of things that you can't do when you're on the board of Twitter. So, one is that you can't have more than 15% of the shares. And then you can't open source the algorithm because obvious reasons. If they did, it would, it is very much like Trump coming into the White House and trying to quote unquote drain the swamp. If you open source the algorithm of, of Twitter and you know, nerds on GitHub are able to actually look at the code and see exactly everything that's the algorithm it does. It really is just kind of like lifting up the last boulder on earth after the nuclear apocalypse and all of the cockroaches just run out. Like it, you're, you're, you're saying the quiet parts out loud and you're exposing them for what these people actually are. So he, of course, Elon said, "No, I'll buy one hundred percent of the company outright, and i'll I'll just buy you right here right now." And again, this this shows how much they care the shareholders of Twitter. And who are they? I mean, it's probably a, a variety of people. but like the the two the two that really stuck out to me was Vanguard and I, I guess a bunch of Saudis from like the royal family. So, um Vanguard, I guess they're on the same pedestal of a BlackRock. I don't know if they're like related or a parent company, but yeah, you you just have like this huge like capital like investment firm. And it's just just as BlackRock does, it's buying up all the resources on earth or the intellectual property and and the same with the with, with the Saudis. And now Saudis are doing some base things like going against the petrodollar and trying to make arrangements with Iran and China and Russia because of dollar hegemony kind of being a joke. And as we'll get into with your thread, but um, it, it's just, it's these, it's this Davos world economic forum, shareholder uh, stake capitalism. And they're shit coining. Like that is exactly what they did. They printed mm. out more shares to dilute them. And I'll get into this. Um, uh, well, I'll, I'll come back to that. But so you have like this economic chicanery going on and you also have the, this like assassination of his character. Like they're calling Elon
1: racist now for this. Mm-hmm. Because everybody's it, it, a racist. Yeah, everybody's, everybody's a racist these days. days. Like even the what the freedom protest in Canada. You, you attend a freedom convoy and you're a misogynist, you're a racist. It's just words are losing their meaning as we descending into Orwellian nightmare
0: yeah no it's that is like the status quo of like the state I mean you have you corrupt the money but with that corrupt Mm. money and that power then that it all trickles down to like the social and cultural level it's it's disgusting and so they're doing this whole character assassination on him and there's like a two-pronged uh I, I, I guess like these it's a two pronged roadblock that Elon's facing. So one, you have the SEC investigating him for insider trading, uh, similar to what they try to do with uh, Jerome Powell and the other hawkish uh, heads of, of the Fed. But basically what this is doing is freezing his assets and this prevents Elon from liquidating his stock uh that he needs to buy twitter so i mean he's the he's a billionaire the richest man in the world so he's got money parked in assets here and there so the sec i think their excuse was some bullshit like investing for his brother and whatever it might be
1: but how recent was that is that is that recent that he's getting done for insider trading
0: uh yeah i think as as of like the last couple of days i can like find a link but i mean it's a for sure thing that's happening
1: and so that's, basically that's that's massive because that's how he needs to actually come up with the money to buy twitter i i was crunching some notes earlier yeah when you were talking before i whipped my phone out i did some maths he's he, his net worth is something like what was it 260 billion dollars if twitter's 40 billion dollars Elon's sinking like 16% of his net worth into Twitter. <laughs> and <laughs> most of his net worth is tied up in... I was listening to a podcast the other day. He's only got like $3 billion worth of cash. So the yeah. only way that he'd actually be able to buy Twitter is he has to either sell his Tesla stock or borrow against his tech, his Tesla stock and all mm-hmm. the options he has. So they yeah. get frozen like you're talking about at the moment. Yep, He can't buy Twitter. Exactly. Yeah um i didn't know that it's
0: up i mean like like uh citadel much and the whole like redditors Mm. i mean this is what they do like this isn't your money this is why we bitcoin and (laughs) another theory i had is i'm i heard someone say that he was he had the cash available that he could technically like buy it like he has it ready what if that means that he's had this in bitcoin And so he has it available.
1: He's had what in Bitcoin?
0: $40 billion? Yeah. Oh, geez. I don't know. Because if he says that he has the cash, does that mean that he already like liquidated assets in the past? I mean, you could probably, or the SEC might be able to see if that happened. But what if he's playing like some 5D chess or some shit where he's been thinking about this like okay I'm gonna get in, get in i'm gonna get on the board of twitter nine percent whatever i know that's gonna fail and then i'm gonna try to buy it outright and the best way to do that is just try to liquidate these things kind of like a michael Saylor like stealth bought bitcoin through like microtransactions mm-hmm. and so yeah. like what if he did that but like accumulated bitcoin over time played the same doges he have
1: what's the doge market cap did that get to like 80 did, billion dollars
0: at one stage did did he not like like Dump his entire Doge stash? I'm probably not. I have no idea. That's funny though.
1: I know there's lots of rumors around Doge saying, "Hey, look, there's some massive wallets that own like ten or twenty percent of the supply." If that was yeah. Elon, like if those rumors were correct, and Doge got up to a market cap of like ninety billion dollars, this is all very theoretical, uh, plebs. Anyone listening in? But does that mean look. Elon could have had like ten or twenty billion dollars worth of Doge there at one stage, if I mean, he owned those large wallets? I mean, probably i don't know so uh
0: no i mean that's all i mean like theories are like stem from speculation right i don't know there's nothing wrong with speculation if i learned anything from devil take the high most which is a book i didn't finish because it was just so goddamn slow to listen to is that speculation is not bad Mm. (laughs) because that's what that book is all about um but yeah sec is doing this investigation of insider trading freezing his funds and basically pigeonholing him so he can't liquidate to buy twitter outright the second fork here is the of course twitter adopting the poison pill um bid uh, at, after after elon's announcement of the bid so what this is is technically it's a limited duration shareholder rights plan uh because you know they love democracy and they care about their people and uh, voting rights are good because uh We love all of our plebeian shareholders. And so essentially what this is, is that they're saying that, hey, uh, people that hold Twitter shares, we're going to sell you more stocks at a discount. And these stocks that we're going to issue to you are going to have more voting rights than Elon. Oh, and by the way, Elon can't participate because his assets are frozen. So he can't sell to get any of these special shares that are only for you and you only. This is fucking virtue signaling out the ass and it it just goes to show how these fucking technocrats are this desperate to maintain what power they have left
1: i mean it is
0: so it's just pandering just grotesqueness
1: i i love it i love to watch them squirm i love to watch all the cnn types you know rage quit i think it's great and i think it kind of shows that we're winning i think it i think it's very very clear that you know we are winning the narrative is falling apart clown world i'm not calling the top for clown world but it's you know it is slowly falling apart and more and more people are seeing through the bullshit
0: yeah i I think this this clown world is is about to peak i i really Mm -hmm. do I mean, I agree. And and Tom Longo, as we'll get into, like he says this very same thing. Like they're losing, they are scared. And it's just like a fucking rabid animal being like pushing into
1: the corner. And so they're just going to do the most wild shit to survive. Couldn't agree more. And I can't remember, just while it's on the top of my head, just as you said that, I remembered somebody was saying uh, a little while ago in the podcast, can't remember who it was to give them credit, but they were saying the elites or the Davos crew, they're most powerful and most dangerous when you don't see them acting. Like they're acting in the shadows. They're very quietly doing this and that. But when they're really loud and proud and in the open, that's kind of a, a, that's, that's kind of a big warning sign that they're not as powerful as they once were because they're having to go to such extreme measures to push forward this 2030 kind of agenda that they've got.
0: Yeah, dude, I don't know if that's desperation or if it's, mm. or if it's straight hubris. Because when you have that much power and it goes to your head and you are like a psychopath, like it's probably a mixture of both. And once they actually start to get scared, maybe... Like both of those variables just start to, you know, really get
1: exacerbated, I guess. I I think it's a mixture of both. But I think like the original plan for this whole net zero carbon uh, digital panopticon prison, that was the original plan for that was to have that rolled out by 2050. So everybody yeah. has a microchip in them. Everybody's, you know, has their body hooked up to the state where it's compulsory vaccines. The original plan for this was like 2050. God, I hope this this is probably going to get taken down off YouTube, but I will. Um, but okay. the, whole, the whole impending financial collapse has kind of accelerated that whole timeline. So late yeah. 2019, when the repo market blew up and uh, the uh, yield curve inverted in August of 2019 and the Fed was printing uh, $4.5 trillion dollars in the last quarter of 2019, that kind of brought everything forward a lot. Uh, and that's yeah. why we're seeing everything escalate at such a rate, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, like, like Tom says, I think the whole repo craze in, nine, in uh, 2019, fall 2019, I think that was an attempt to actually destroy the American financial system. And it basically failed and they were able to fix shit. And make do on, on on their promises. Like between banks. And that was able to. Uh, you know not lose the credibility. Of the United States as much. And then that's why they had to bring in the coof And we had March 2020. Mm-hmm. Because that was the actual. Like strategy. Because. As we will get into your threat. I promise I, I didn't mean to. Make this go as long. But uh, there's a lot of shit here. I want to emphasize. But. Uh, basically, COVID was an attack on America because it's all about preventing capital flight out of Europe and going into a sounder economy, which is America. So, how best do you keep that up? You're going to, I, I mean, you're just going to ruin the credibility of the dollar in any treasury that you have. And you're going to not only deficit spend. The United States into oblivion, but you're going to do embarrassing things, like like lockdowns or or point out of Afghanistan just prematurely, or just yeah, not prematurely. We should pull it out like much sooner, uh, much sooner. Uh, but uh, just the way it, it's it's just to embarrass America as it is because it is like the hegemon of of the world right now, and just embarrass it in every 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 factor of, of life you can. To make it look weak. Because if it looks strong. Then money gets treated where it's treated best. And it's going to leave Europe. Which itself is is bankrupt. Because they don't have a Fed. their, Their treasuries aren't as cherished by nations. And so it's like a race to the bottom. Because Davos knows. That they're going to deficit spend. On purpose. Like They're trying to bankrupt Europe on purpose. So everybody has to go roll over onto an IMF CBDC that is sent to them from the top down. And then Europe is living in a panopticon. That is the goal. But the goal is to destroy America first. So people don't actually seek refuge.
1: And that's their plan. Like they're, they're very open yeah. with their plan as well. Like I, I agree. I think that's why Biden's in there. Okay. You've you literally got a president Of the most powerful country in the world that shits himself on live TV and embarrassingly withdraws out of Afghanistan. I think it's all to kind of give capitalism and freedom like a really bad name and to kind of bring down the American empire and make it look bad. And that ties into another one of Klaus Schwab's books, stakeholder capitalism. Like you've seen Klaus Schwab, you've seen Pope Francis talking about why traditional capitalism has failed and we need to introduce a new kind of capitalism that they call stakeholder capitalism. Uh, So I I think that I really do think that's the plan we've um, that's why Biden's where he is embarrass America embarrass the strongest most powerful country in the world and make capitalism look as if it's failed we all know it hasn't and central planning's the true root of all failure but That's their their plan with the U.S. Empire.
0: Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And they're outrightly trying to, like, take Biden out. I mean, Mm -hmm. it it was, like, last week, a couple of weeks ago, there was a a video of, like, some dinner, like, Obama was at. It was, like, at the White House. Yeah, it was at the White House. And they're they're trying to, like, publicly reveal that, you know, Joe Biden's, you know, and he's, like, not in control because like there's the, this thing at, at the dinner where Joe's like tapping on Barack's shoulders, like Barack Barack and o- Obama's just like completely oblivious. And it, it's just like these little things. And I think, I don't know if it was like filming on someone's cell phone, but I think like, again, I just do podcasts, but I think this was meant to look like, uh, you know, someone was you know, doing like some sort of like clandestine, like it was a leak but like no this is just like a drip drip of information cuz going back to twitter this is all about the elites controlling
1: the flow of information what people see and so and this yeah. this is where this is where i don't know what's going to come next because up until probably about maybe 2 to 3 months ago All the propaganda wing in America, your CNNs and all your kind of lefty bullshit propaganda wings, they were all supporting Biden and supporting the, we'll call it the cerveza sickness narrative. But all of a sudden, the past month or so, they've kind of thrown Biden under the bus. They've kind of even thrown the cerveza sickness narrative under the bus a bit so i don't know what comes next i don't know why uh, like that video you're talking about at the white house with biden and obama that's absolutely hilarious there's been some uh, stellar memes made about that little encounter but i don't know what the plan is so if they're going to throw away biden what what's the plan do they know that he's gonna uh, him and the democrats are going to get their ass whooped in the uh, midterms this year um, I, I'm not. I'm not sure what comes next in terms of political power in the U.S. Yeah, if there's if there's a positive out of the past two years,
0: it's it's the memes. Meme memes have been fire, and and Bitcoin's like yeah. a legit big boy asset that can, unfortunately, but I guess fortunately in a way, be controlled by like futures markets because the big players are taking it seriously, uh, out of fear uh so there is one thing i want to share here uh i'm gonna go on mute if you if you can if you can stall maybe like riff on this like for another minute or so luke while i find this clip because i do have an audio clip that i'm gonna play very um uh uh gruesomely on on that that's that's an appropriate word to use, I guess. Uh, it's just not no, gonna sound send like the it. best quality, but I'm gonna do one of
1: these. Uh, that's okay. But well, yeah, Found it. I I can I can certainly yeah. riff. <laughs> I can certainly riff on the fact of why I think Bitcoin is a is a different kind of asset in you know in the especially since 2020. That's kind of the inflection point for me. Like you were just saying then, Bitcoin's a big boy asset. It's been taken seriously by the institutional players. And now they're kind of shorting it in the futures market, kind of suppressing the price. Um, I think that's the case. I think uh, since 2020, I think Bitcoin's fundamentally changed. I think for the first 10 years in Bitcoin's life, it was kind of seen as a joke. Um, I don't think anyone took Bitcoin seriously. I don't think any of the big players took Bitcoin seriously. But then the whole money printer go burr went wild in 2020. You had people like Paul Tudor jones come out and say he thinks Bitcoin is going to be the fastest uh, horse in the race for inflation. And then you obviously saw Michael Saylor become the first publicly uh, traded company to go all in on Bitcoin, let alone just buy a little bit of Bitcoin. I think it's forcing people to take Bitcoin seriously. And I, I think it has fundamentally changed. I think a lot of these hedge fund bros that are trading and speculating Bitcoin at the moment is suppressing the price. Um, I think there's a lot of hedge funds who are kind of uh, trading Bitcoin as a risk on asset. Um, And that's what's keeping the nominal price in USD relatively suppressed to where I actually would have thought it would be at the moment. Like if you had asked me 12 12 months ago, I was bullish as fuck. We're going 100K, baby. We're going 150K. We're going 500K, baby. I was, I'm bullish. And I still think that's going to, when it happens, it happens very rapidly. Um, but I, like, I mean, so we'd seen all the hedge funds bros trade as a risk on asset. But meanwhile, if you look at the on-chain, uh, statistics, I don't look at all of them. I just look at a couple of key metrics that I think have a little bit of signal. There's a lot of noise in the on-chain space. I, I understand that, but I think you continue to watch coins fly off the exchanges. Um, a lot of people say, oh, but that doesn't hundred percent mean, you know, it's good and it's positive and it's bullish. People can always change their mind and send coins back to exchanges. Um, But then I also look at the amount of supply held by the long-term holders and it's at an all-time high. People aren't sending or spending their Bitcoin. I think the last stat I looked at showed something like 80% of Bitcoin supply hadn't moved in over 12 months or something crazy like that. So the amount of actual uh, Bitcoin in the hands of uh, long-term holders, it was higher than it was in the 2018 bear market low at $3,000. And it was higher um, than it was in quarter three 2020 when Bitcoin was under $10,000 and we were just about to start that parabolic bull market. Um, so I, 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 think, I think you're watching like the price of Bitcoin draw down from 69K to uh, the recent low was 33K. But during that whole correction, um, I was looking at the amount of supply held by long-term holders and they accumulated that whole correction. They were just bullishly accumulating coins. Um, I, was, I was reading the tweet yesterday, something like 84,000 Bitcoin has f- flown off exchanges in the past month alone. Um, so... I'm bullish as fuck, and I agree yeah, with Phil's earlier sentiment. I think Bitcoin's a different asset. I think it all started around that kind of 2020 inflection point.
0: Yeah, man, high higher lows. Uh, that that's for certain. And you know, Tom was talking about this too. Our our favorite person, Tom Lulongo, I'm a proud Lulongan. Uh, If he doesn't do March, as at that says like proud. Luongan, I'm gonna make that before he does. Uh dude, do honestly, I I put him on the pedestal of like Rothbard, like Rothbardians, Hoppians, whatever, Necessians, It Sounds like Gungan to me a little bit. He's a, he's a Star Wars fan. Uh, actually, one of the persons that's like a Gen X that does not hate Jar Jar Binks. So uh, that's awesome. Anyway, though, on a serious note, he talks. I I heard him say that. A Bitcoin isn't really... uh, The whole discussion about it being a risk-on-risk-off asset is irrelevant because it's really just treated like a commodity, in a sense. And it kind of, like, travels the way uh, or moves the way gold does and is manipulated in a similar way that gold is. Uh, Except, you know, when, like, gold, like, blows out, I don't think... I don't know exactly how this this happens or works, but because of the fixed supply of Bitcoin, I think, well, I don't think we know that it has a tendency to be more volatile uh, just because of that, like the fixed supply cap of 21 million. And so I haven't really done this research. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's more like Occam's razor common sense, but I, I guess Bitcoin has like a blow off top that is that is like regardless of the futures manipulation of the market or like the like the Bitcoin whale market makers. I mean, if if enough Bitcoin is off the exchange, again let's go, going back to Big Box. So two, grab one. Uh, Bitcoin Made Simple, all caps, no spaces, five percent off. It this goes back to like having cold storage, and we saw like the huddle waves or whatever. Like, people are taking their shit off at the exchange. So, I guess to some point, like, that's the only way that Bitcoin actually moons. Or, I mean, how much do you think the price manipulation in futures markets or whatever else might actually factor in and prevent that breakout? And what ultimately causes that breakout?
1: Yeah, so I, I honestly haven't done... I, I, I can only speculate on this. I actually, I'm not sure whether the futures market is... Being used to suppress the price of Bitcoin at the moment, because I'm pretty sure you'd be able to see all of that show up in the futures market. Yes, there's high open interest, but it's—I mean, it is that—and it is at all-time highs. That's correct, but um, I'm not 100% sure. I—I I, I think if you—if you if you'd see the price of Bitcoin being suppressed, I think you'd be able to, be able to actually see in the data. And this is where I—this is where I think Bitcoin's not just like gold. Um, Bitcoin is 100% verifiable. So you, you can actually yeah. see the exact supply of Bitcoin. So I think like since March of 2020, there was 3.2 million Bitcoins on exchanges. And now, 24 months later, that's down to like 2.4 million coins on exchanges. So if you want the answer, when is Bitcoin going to moon, I think it's in the next 24 months. If you see that trend continue... I think you were and- about to see hours. Hey, I thought you were about to say ours. Like what? <laughs> I wish. I wish it was ours. <laughs> Actually, I don't because shit's going to get mad when it fucking moons and it's going to moon yeah. very, hap- very quickly. But when it, when it does, that's, I think it's going to kind of uh, decouple and decorrelate itself from the stock market when more and more of that, that supply continues to um, be withdrawn from exchanges. And I think you may get into a situation where you get down to 2 million coins on exchanges 1.5 million coins on exchanges, and there's a little bit of a panic sell because we we can see it on the chart, like it's happening. <laughs> and for the this 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 is something new in Bitcoin's life. This wasn't happening in the first 13 years. This has only started in 2020 when everybody was awoken to oh shit, hang on a minute, I need some Bitcoin, I need it off the yeah. exchanges. Um, and it's yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be very very interesting. I think that that answers your question. When are you going to see the moon? I think it's in the next 24 months. If you see another seven or 800,000 coins fly off exchanges like they have since 2020, I think shit's going to get really interesting. And eventually, you'll be able to see on chain, okay, there's 100,000 coins on exchanges, but Coinbase must be rehypothecating because the price isn't moving. And that's that's when the old shit moment happens. I agree
0: now i think I think two years is more than more than doable it's quite realistic plausible mm. I mean just the i don't know fuck price you know are irrelevant anyway uh that's pretty much it on elon i actually one last thing because i I remember why I told you to rant because I found the clip so um right. here's elon talking about. Free speech and the and not caring about the the economics of it. My strong intuitive sense is that uh, having a public platform that is maximally trusted um,
1: and, and, and 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 broadly inclusive um, is extremely important to the future of civilization. But um, you've
0: you've described I, yourself. I, I don't there. care about the economics at all. Okay, that's...
1: did you hear that? Okay. I heard that. I heard that. I think I might have seen that interview and it's bullish. It's bullish okay. for free speech. It's bearish for Davos and the people yeah. who want to sense everything.
0: Okay. So, again, shout out to ANC Report. This is where I, I got it from. And uh, the great Brian Dawson. So, he, he made the comment like, He should care about the economics because the shareholders care about the economics, which is how the shareholders basically like shit coined and like dicked him out of any, you know, economic shareholder clout that Elon had. But what also matters here is. And maybe this is just like me getting like anal, like OCD autistic, but. Like human interaction, like the town square is economic. And it's political. And this is why it's so important. You cannot separate politics from economics like they switch places of which is the tail that wags a dog, because, I mean, markets move based on uh, sentiment and is driven by uh, global events. And I mean, really, just like the town square of free speech and the freedom of association and sharing of ideas that is economic in itself. And like it's politics because of all politics is just really people interacting with each other. And I guess like the motives of why they associate or have these beliefs and others, but it all is like derived from incentives and incentives is like one of the mo- main movers of economics. And so they just go hand in hand and like, maybe it's like his big brain that's not realizing that, but like, I believe economics is the thing like, like really the blood like money is the foundation of society, but it's, it's, it's the blood that moves society because it's the same principle of Robson Crusoe on like trapped on, 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 the Island and just using like, you know, this is the whole like John Locking bullshit, but just using the natural resources around you to uh, produce and just get to that next stepping stone and, it all goes back to carl mangers just the the father of austrian economics carl manger but his whole uh, just um, the, the the theory of, of of marginal utility if you're stuck in the desert and you have one water bottle then you fucking cherish that water bottle but if you have two water bottles and you're like well you know at least i got a backup and then like the more of those units that you add the less value that you that you subscribe to to those goods, and this is really just the driver of of human interaction and incentive and how people make these decisions in their life. And the same thing applies to goods and services, but the same thing applies to ideas. And maybe he is big-brained and already understands this, but I think that's a really, really crucial thing that people overlook you can't separate politics from economics period and shame on all the big fucking macro wigs that are out there spewing stuff on Twitter that refuse to discuss economic um, politics and the political sphere and how that interacts with economics because of political correctness. And this comes full circle back to Twitter censorship and political correctness and what's okay to say and what's not okay to say. I mean, it is just like central planning. And the manipulation of interest rates in the market government intervention and free enterprise free enterprise is what gets us to just prosperity and the same thing applies to social interaction and culture and ideas and i just feel like that's something that he missed and that's why elon is wrong
1: i couldn't ah oh, so much to unpack there um I, I definitely do think a lot of macro bros are um, purely just reading the economics textbooks and not actually looking at some of the geopolitical influence that does influence economics. Dear <laughs> to <your today>. point. <coughs> <laughs> that a call out on live air. There's no going back. He's just been called out. But yeah, these macro bros just are simply NGMI. They're not going to make it. They, they, they refuse to look at geopolitical influence and events that actually underpin economics. And I actually wanted to ask you, Phil, do you think Bitcoin is the first kind of I can't. I'm not even going to try and pronounce that word at seven o'clock. Tonight, uh but, being good. Uh no, but is Bitcoin the separation of economics and politics? Do you think it can bridge no. that gap? No, no. I mean, you, you, when, you still think the wait, wait. What do you are...
0: actually? Yeah, go ahead. I, I was just. Wait, wait, say, what do I you mean?
1: Bitcoin... What do you mean, like the bridge or like the separation? Wait. I, 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 personally think, question. I, I think Bitcoin's the, the separation of economics and politics. It's the first thing that it actually, it doesn't matter. It, it's not corruptible. It isn't fuckable. It isn't uh, prone to political influence. Uh, Bitcoin's 21 million coins. That's it. Well, you can't change it. You can't cozy up to a money printer.
0: I mean, that's true, but it's also based on consensus, and consensus is political. Okay. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's just, like, my gut feeling. Because, like, democracy, or, like, contract law, whatever people, like, if we lived in, like, this ideal Hoppian society where there was contract law and everything was voluntary, and, I mean, those systems, those little, like, pockets of governance are all only possible because it's based on the consensus and we all in Bitcoin like value the consensus of the network what Bitcoin is and what it is not and if you disagree then you're shitcoining and you're out of here that is a political decision so I think if anything Bitcoin isn't apolitical it doesn't separate politics from economics it is the bridge
1: just like the town square You've given me more to chew on. I'll have to ever think about that. Yeah. I'm a fucking idiot. It could be wrong. Anyway, let's talk about your uh your thread. <laughs> we're all fucking idiots, don't you worry? I'm more of one than you. Um, the thread. What are we talking about? We we're talking about uh Libor and SOFA. Um mm-hmm. so this is really and, kinda... and how and how Elon
0: is the human embodiment, like manifestation of sofa. Yes,
1: yes. So essentially, to break it right down for the uh, listeners, we're getting really into the weeds here, talking about interest rates. Um, And uh, SOFA is essentially a free market interest rate. um, And LIBOR is a controlled interest rate that is literally made up by 18 European banks. Um, These banks get together every night and say, guess what, boys? What do we want the interest rates to be tonight? And they say, yeah, you know what? We're just going to make it that. They're going to make it 0.1%. And those 18 banks in Europe and London, they get to decide what interest rate all the debt in the United States is indexed against. Um, So that has been the way uh, interest rates have worked in the United States since 1979. I think that's when LIBOR came in. And just earlier this year, January 1st, 2022, we finally got the switch to the SOFAR interest rate. Uh, So it stands for secured overnight. I can't even remember what the rate stands for. Funding rate. Thank you. See, this is why I don't do podcasts after seven. Um, Yeah, but no, you're 100% right. SOFAR and then LIBORs. It is after six for you, sir. 646, 646. Uh, so it's a long day for me i was like yeah i'm, I'm uh, amazed
0: I, I can string sentences together after like a full work day so whatever is happening yeah. is is magic
1: yeah i i i um, <laughs> always try to do them earlier in the day but essentially what we've watched is we're watching the thread was on we've just watched the changeover from Libor to sofa and we haven't seen this in 50 years and every single time um every single time well that that's going to get into the euro dollar interest rate rabbit hole we'll go down that one in a minute but yeah January 1st 2022 now all new debt in the United States is now indexed against sofa which is a free market interest rate based upon the actual transactions that happen every night in the repo market as opposed to just what whatever 18 cronies, um, from banks uh, in europe and london want the interest rate to be so that's the shift we've seen mm-hmm.
0: hey luke do you want to share your screen and show that thread you made because yeah. i really liked the the visual breakdowns and, and shit that you came up with the slides and we i will certainly... be, I'll be completely honest and transparent i have not read through the thread so i'm sorry i'm a fraud all you need
1: is the images that is all you need um okay i've brought it up i'll need permission to share screen though i reckon yeah do you request
0: that i don't i don't zoom i did this with dylan Leclaire, uh which i think seemed to work but i haven't done it since
1: um when did you have him up like probably a year ago from today so you need to go to participants down the bottom of your screen Oh, that's right. Oh, here we go. Luke, uh, more
0: chat, stop video, me. pin, make host, rename. That's the one. Allow for my to host. Record. My Put in waiting room. Remove. What if I remove Luke, people?
1: I'll disappear. Allow. My host. Oh, bingo, bango. Okay, let's go. Uh, we're doing Absolutely. it live, people. So this, so essentially, for the past 50 years, what we're talking about is every single time the Fed has tried to raise interest rates, they've caused the financial crisis, okay? And that's because of uh, the LIBOR interest rate, okay? So um, every single time the Fed tries to raise interest rates, what has happened has um, you get a dollar shortage around the world, and this causes stress in the banking system in Europe and London because they are weaker than the United States. That's and, and this, a- is, this is what Tom
0: means when LIBOR quote unquote blows out.
1: Mm. I, I think that's what he's talking about. 100%. So, for example, the US might raise interest rates to 1%. Uh, but the LIBOR interest rate uh, goes to like 1.5%. So it's that spread that you want to watch to see um, that indicates where, where, um, that indicates the strength difference between the United States and the, uh, the rest of the world. So this is another little uh, chart that brings this up. This is a tweet I did yesterday um, and it kind of said, is this a sign the Euro dollar market is feeling the pinch? Um, Jerome Powell hiking interest rates hurts the EU more than the US. So that's what this chart is measuring. It's measuring the difference. Um, The interest rate on the LIBOR interest rate is like 1.3%. Meanwhile, the interest rate on the three-month Treasury bill in the United States is only 0.78. So the fact that LIBOR is like 40 basis points higher that means that they're feeling the pinch over there in Europe and in the euro dollar market, uh, which is the offshore US dollar market. And that means the high interest rate reflects the fact that there's higher demand for dollars. So right. every... Wait,
0: which, just to add on to that, which means all like offshore dollars that are created, like not in the United States, all that dollar denominated debt in Europe is a shit ton more expensive In Europe than it is in America, because of this rate and this bifurcation of interest rates. So this is pal basically saying fuck you LIBOR and your euro dollar you are basically enabling us to deficit spend us into like. extinction. And ruin our credibility and devalue the dollar and. The separation of interest rates is what is strengthening the dollar with a true free market rate, uh, quote unquote free market is between banks. Whatever like shenanigans the banks do, whatever fuck, like, we can't stop that from happening. But it's actually truly based on the banks and the money that they that they exchange overnight, what they charge for it. Whereas, as Luke so accurately uh, explained in London. 18 uh, major banks meet and they determine what that LIBOR rate is going to be. Uh, 17, though, 17 out of the 18 represent the interests of Europe. One of them only represents the interests of the United States, which is JP Morgan, which is where you get this split between like, yes, it's not like a world central banking cartel. You have the Fed versus Davos, you have US globalists versus European just old oligarch, old family Rothschild interests. And uh, that's just a, a point I wanted, I wanted to make. But basically, what Powell's doing is having sulfur, inst- like the, the, the gold standard rate in the U.S. and being able to raise the Fed funds rate and the re- reverse repo payout is strengthening the dollar and basically margin calling all dollar debt in Europe.
1: So they're going to tits up. That's exactly what he's doing. Um, and this is this is all new for me. Um, like until probably two to three months ago, coming across Tom Luongo's thesis and actually watching Jerome Powell go against the other central banks around the world, um, I, I was of the opinion that we would never be able to meaningfully raise rates. Um, and that's all due to the maths. So I think Stanley Druckenmiller laid out the maths here of why the US can't raise rates. Um, Stan, Stan Druckenmiller reckons that if the 10-year Treasury bonds interest rates are allowed to rise to 4.9%, that means the US government would have to be um, paying something like uh, $6.4 trillion per year just to service the interest repayments on the $30 trillion of debt they hold. So $6.4 trillion, that's massive. Like the US's total tax receipts is like $3.8 trillion. So, and tax rates are what? 50, 60% in a lot of the states in, in America. So you can't really double rates. Um, well, you can't really double taxes again to come up with that money just to service the debt. So before, you know, late last year, I was of the opinion, no, no, no. It's mathematically impossible for the US to raise rates. Um, above, say, 2.5% of the federal funds rate because a 2.5% federal funds rate would be the equivalent of about 5% interest on the uh, 10-year Treasury bond. But then, now that we have this transition in LIBOR and SOFA, f- I'm, I'm not sure which opinion to take, but it looks as if the US raising interest rates is actually going to hurt Europe more than the United States. And this is the first time that this potential scenario has been in play for, well, 50 years, 60 years. Every every single one of these uh, times in the past 50 years that the Fed's tried to raise rates. So it tried to raise rates before the 08 housing bubble crash and it caused a massive dollar shortage. Tried to raise rates um, before the 1997 Asian financial crisis and the 98 Russian debt crisis caused a massive uh, financial crisis. Also tried to raise rates before the dot-com bubble, uh, massive financial crisis. Um, Tried to do the same thing in the 80s, and that caused the Latin American uh, sovereign debt crisis. So I'm very interested to see whether the Fed does follow through and raise rates this time and whether they'll be uh, economically and mathematically uh, able to watch this space. Hey, Luke, if I do a little like squinty
0: squint and look really close on that little chart that I see, it looks like something
1: similar tried to happen in uh, 2018. Bingo, bango. You nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. Jerome Powell tried to raise rates in, I think it was 2018, and there was the famous, uh, what was it, taper tantrum. Um, They let the balance sheet roll off a little bit. I think Jerome Powell said, yeah, this will go really easily. We're going to normalize... Um, the past 10 years of QE that we've done and we're going to raise interest rates um, and defend capitalism because our economy is fine. And um, I think the stock market said, fuck you. And it sold off 22% over three weeks. Um, And then Jerome Powell had to change his mind. But again, this was before the LIBOR and the SOFA uh, transition. So that's why we're particularly interested to see how this rate hiking schedule will go now that we've actually seen the transition from LIBOR and SOFA and I'm watching very very closely to see um, how Europe behaves Um, I I think it's maybe we're already seeing some of the damage of the US dollar wrecking ball um, because last week the Lebanese government had to come out and say they're bankrupt um, and Sri Lanka came out just a couple of days later and they said yeah you know what we have this enormous debt pile, but for the first time in our history, we're actually not going to pay our debt uh, because we need to buy um, resources and food for our people. Um, so we've watched two countries just go belly up in the past uh, what week. So um, I think that's interesting. And I'll be watching more, more of those signs as they emerge um, because I think a lot of these emerging market currencies are going to hyperinflate um, if the Fed continues to raise rates.
0: Uh correct me if i'm wrong but didn't the same thing happen with Japan maybe i'm talking about like a completely different uh like monetary strategy or just event uh action but didn't Japan also say that they were bankrupt and basically somehow they were forced to deficit spend in order to bail out the EU did you hear anything about that
1: i've heard zero about that um zero okay. had you know roughly how recently that that was like a couple weeks ago wow that's very interesting um, um so
0: maybe maybe i maybe i'm just
1: getting some uh
0: events confused i thought it might have been the same tactic but can you explain exactly what is happening when these other countries are basically uh going belly up as you say like what what is that meaning what is that what is that saying like they're they're saying that they need to buy their their resources to provide for their people like that's obvious so they're not going to service the debt that they owe they're going to use that money to make their people not starve um is is that the
1: only thing thing that's happening or am i missing anything there uh so that was the case in Sri Lanka Sri Lanka had debt and it simply can't afford to pay the debt so it, it kind of had the decision to default on the debt um, and most importantly, most of the debt that these, current, these countries have, it's denominated in US dollars, okay? So right. this gets into the whole Eurodollar market and the dollar milkshake thesis by Brent Johnson. All of these countries um, that you're watching hyperinflate their currencies, um, that's because they have high debt and low foreign reserves. And when the dollar strengthens, when Jerome Powell raises interest rates, it means that the debt that these countries owe is worth more and more, and it's harder and harder to pay back. I think the best example oh. of it, bingo bango. No,
0: go ahead. And best that's,
1: example, what? Um, the best example of that is obviously Turkey. So, Turkey has um, had enormous US dollar debt and very small uh, USD reserves. And what, they were, what the Turkish Lira was having to do was to pay its US dollar debt. It was having to print Turkish Lira. So its central bank was having to print Lira out of thin air, devaluing it, and then going into the, uh, the open uh, Forex market, buying US dollars to pay back mm. the US dollar debt. So that's what you're going to see in most of these countries. They have massive US dollar debt. And as the uh, US dollar gets stronger and stronger, their debt becomes more and more expensive. Yeah, which is exactly
0: what we did to Germany in World War One. Bingo. When money dies. Mm. Uh the the dollar is a weapon like as bullish and as, as blasphemous as this sounds, as bullish as I am on the Fed, it is and 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 on um, and this whole like Fed versus Davos, I am temporarily for the short to midterm uh pro-Fed in this case but it is still damaging because this tightening is destroying the
1: economies around the world. I, th- I think they just know that we're in the end game. Uh, that's, that's my yeah. opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, this goes full circle back to people that are at the top want to maintain the position of power that they're in, and this is what the Fed's doing is like the financial nuclear option. And so they're going to do anything that they can to maintain the helm and, and protect it. Like this is survival. This is the fed protecting the dollar and discreditworthiness. worthiness and countries everywhere, everywhere else be damned except Russia. Russia's fine. Yeah,
1: I think, I think the U S honestly, I think the U I'm writing an article on this as well, actually it should be out this week, but I think the, the last resort that the fed has to actually defend the dollar and retain its global reserve currency status is back the US dollar by Bitcoin. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that's their last hope. That's their last chance. I think the last time there was a crisis and a loss of confidence in the United States dollar was in the seventies, uh, the sixties and the seventies when there was enormous inflation in the US and what the US did was genius. Uh, Kissinger and Nixon, it, Uh, two very evil men. It was genius what they did. And they essentially backed the US dollar by uh, oil, creating the petrodollar. Um, And I think um, their backs against um, the US and the US dollar, they have their back against the wall again here in 2022. And I think they can't back it by gold because I think China uh, is sitting on 20,000 metric tons worth of gold. So if the US backed the US dollar by gold, um, it would, I think it would be more favorable to China. Um, and obviously Russia has the, the highest amount of uh, gold reserves based upon the amount of actually uh, f- uh, fiat currency they have. So they're the most gold-backed fiat currency in the world. So the US isn't going to back the US dollar by gold, increasing the price of gold, because that's going to benefit its two largest enemies the most, Russia yeah. and China. So what's the U.S. got left to back the U.S. dollar with? It can't use gold. Uh, it can't use oil again. I think it's, I personally think it's going to be Bitcoin. And I think the fact that Michael Saylor has been allowed to perform a speculative attack on the U.S. dollar and accumulate a shit ton of coins, and even the recent backflipping of uh, Janet Yellen on Bitcoin, I, th- I thought that was a very interesting signpost. Um I think another really interesting signpost was the fact that uh, these stable coins in the United States have been regulated to hold US treasuries. So hang on a minute, Russia, China, the Saudis, they won't buy US debt anymore. Oh, the US is fucked. Uh, Well, hang on a minute. Not if we just make the largest stable coins around the world hold US treasuries. And that's what they're doing. Wow. Now, black. Yeah, it's massive. BlackRock just led like a $400 million um, uh, fundraise for Circle, which is obviously their biggest product is USDC. That's stablecoin. I think that's like $50 or $60 billion in size. Um, and they, as part of that funding round, they didn't just get shares in USDC, they became the actual uh, Treasury Reserve manager of USDC. And they're going to make them hold hundred uh, percent US treasury bills for the for the stablecoin. so um, watch this space. I, I think the US, I think the US dollar is going to back itself by Bitcoin and I think it's going to shock a lot of people. That's nuts. And
0: we have the announcement that Exxon is mm. uh, in investing some time and in, in capital into mining Bitcoin which they of course should. But I think that they're going to run into another, another predicament similar to why they can't back it with gold because if you think Russia is not mining Bitcoin, you're an idiot because they have the marginal cost to produce energy. So it's the cheapest place to produce energy. And I mean, they run into the same flaring thing as well. And so if it's the cheapest place in the world to produce energy... Russia is the cheapest place in the world to mine Bitcoin, is it not? And so this is where I think the hash war really starts to break out. And it's only in the United States' best possible interest to not only, you know, strengthen the dollar, but strengthen the dollar with Bitcoin and to also mine Bitcoin. And so it's it's just really, really interesting. But you take a, a, an entity like BlackRock, like they're not pro-united states i wouldn't think so because the whole thing about like the the cares act and allowing corporations to get access to the fed window that undercut the power that the banking cartel in the united states had like the commercial banks and all that when treasuries get issued they scoop up 50 percent of those and when you have blackrock come in and basically had the same privilege that the banks had to the Fed window, then it's fulfilling the same idea of the, the great reset that corporations replace nation states. If a corporation can essentially be a bank and it undercuts the power of the Fed, it's just really weird because what you laid out kind of sounded like, it sounded like BlackRock was here to, I guess, strengthen the dollar? by having the most like stake stakeholder in, in circle and having uh, treasuries be held in USDC, if I understood you correctly. And so it all sounds kind of like pro-US and back to the dollar, but at the same time, I don't know. I feel like it, it has to be exclusive. Like you're either on Team America or you're not. And when BlackRock uses that privilege to... Buy up all the real estate, buy up all these resources like fuel production, and also mandate monetary policy. Then that is just antithetical to the Fed and preserving its power that it has in its banking system, which is a very very decentralized financial system compared to the rest of the world and especially to the EU. So I just feel like you know there's two competing factors. And it it's not like I don't think it is a part of BlackRock's agenda to to back and support the
1: Fed and America.
0: Does that and make sense?
1: That, yeah, it makes sense. Um, I I just just looking at that action, I just don't see how it's bearish U.S. dollar. Like uh, they're making, they they're, they're creating. True they're creating $60 billion worth of demand for U.S. treasury bonds. That, yeah. That's that just screams. And, and this is where it's difficult and where it's good to have conversations with people like you and listen to people like Tom Luongo who actually follow what's really happening in the world because it is really hard to discern what's the signal and what's the noise because we do have this bifurcation in the United States. It, it is very difficult to say, okay, who's pro-US dollar, who's anti-US dollar, and he's working with Davos within the, um, the US kind of uh, government and uh, federal agencies. It, it's very confusing. And I, I don't know exactly how to read into it. Um, I don't know how to look into BlackRock buying a $400 million stake in the second largest stablecoin company. But the fact that they're mandating them to... Um, push like 100% of their, uh, to back that stablecoin 100% with US treasury bonds, it looks bullish. Um, And just while we're on ExxonMobil earlier as well, did you hear that they were part of like some White House insider meeting like literally two weeks before that announcement came out that said they're mining Bitcoin? No, I didn't. Tell me um that's i was hoping i was hoping you heard of it, but that's all i've got i remember hearing in a podcast somewhere um apparently they were part of some meeting there was like 10 or 15 other people um and exxon mobile was uh was one of them uh, in the white house um, so i thought that was that's very interesting yeah i mean it, it, I, I guess you call that lobbying <laughs> i don't know yeah i I, I think you call that uh, the US has been accumulating a Bitcoin position um, and they're looking at other avenues to accumulate a position. Why not get the largest oil and natural, or the second largest oil and natural gas company in the world to start mining Bitcoin for it? Wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Now, th- this is why
0: it's important to like re- report on this, write on this. And, you know, even if we don't know what the fuck we're talking about, we're just trying to draw these conclusions to what we see and you know hopefully provide some amount of clarity in all of this but again people are uh people are people humans are gonna human they're gonna follow incentive and at the end of the day I, I that's all we can do we're doing whatever we can that's in our best interest and and uh people's interests are gonna butt heads it's it's all so nuanced filled but it's also very exhilarating despite how tired and relaxed I might look and
1: sound <laughs> me too I'm better to fall asleep um but we really I are I, I think I say I say it all the time I think we're living in the most interesting time in human history um I think the next few years in particular will be um exhilarating um, and I think it's fascinating to be on the I wouldn't call it the forefront but I think just following the space 24 hours a day it's 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 very very interesting. Uh, it is, like it's it's our job to kind of figure out what's going on. Um, I, I think that's a blessing. I think it's a great job. You you think we get tired of it, but it's
0: it's it's like this toxic carrot on a stick, and mm. it's I I feel like a junkie when I just yep. have to like listen over and over and over. Like what I I don't know. Like I say this all the time, but Bitcoin has pushed me to educate myself in so many different fields. And
1: I'm receiving the, the education that I should have received in college. So fuck mm-hmm. college. Me too. I co-signed that message. I, I, I had two years of, uh, would you guys call what's higher education in America? Is that college? Yeah, it's just college. Because, goes. Uh, grade school, middle school, high school, college okay yeah we, we call it university um yeah i got i got two years into university and found bitcoin and i was like oh well i i ain't going back to university fuck this shit um and yeah. it does it kind of it it encourage, it makes you actually want to learn um and i think that's that's a beautiful thing about bitcoin
0: yep and uh i want to go to bed but this has been a fucking hell of a rip dude
1: this is awesome we need to do it more often we really, really we def- do. Um, we we definitely should. Pencil it in. All
0: right. Well, uh, folks, if you made it this far, I've, I hope you you learned something. A lot of crazy shit going on in the world. So um, thank you. And thank you to uh, Luke and uh, Corey Tusek at the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast and Podcast Network. Again, I'm very stoked to just get into these topics and present these ideas to as many people as possible and, and, uh, help me help you. And, and, uh, you know, let's get that flywheel effect and just get more momentum. And it's just going to, uh, light the fire under our, our asses, to just try to solve all, all the world's e- economic and, and political problems and just have fun with it. So, um, as always uh, be sure to uh, rate, subscribe and review, not only my podcast, but, uh, uh, my, my podcast, of course. If you're new to listening to this, it's a boy named Sue, P.S.E.U. Uh, Luke is uh, fix the money podcast, and of course the Bitcoin Made Simple podcast and uh, the network. So all of our content is going to be streaming not only from our individual um uh, RSS feeds, but also on the Bitcoin Made Simple uh podcast network. So. Uh, Luke thanks a lot for doing this This it's kind of like a last minute uh, gathering but I think it was well uh, well uh, time well spent so tell the people where they can find you and uh, show all your stuff
1: yeah no uh, it was very kind of spontaneous but uh, I think it was good fun Um, but yeah thanks for having me dude Um, always had a blast thanks for joining the podcast network Corey and I are uh, stoked to have you and I think we're going to be um pushing out a lot of good shit over the coming few months. Um, listeners can find me. I am most active on Twitter. Uh, so if you just search Luke and then my last name, 21, you'll find me on Twitter. Um, but apart from that, um, I've got the podcast. I've got the, if you also search for the podcast in YouTube, it'll pop up. So it's Bitcoin made simple podcast. Um, that's where you can find me. I invite you guys to come and troll me on Twitter. Uh, Any comments, any suggestions, any questions, Phil and I are always on Twitter. So come and hit us up. Hell yeah, brother. I dig it. And of course you can find me at
0: Mr. Seuthis, M-R-P-S-E-U, Phil Gibson. And uh, yeah, that's it. I'm going to go to bed, uh, hang up the shoes and all that. And as always sat stackers do's and do debts own your failure because god knows if you learned anything from this episode that our so-called leaders do not peace out our adios until next time be well bye-bye see you homies